Good evening, brethren. Praise the Lord. Um, it's such an honor and a privilege to be used with the Lord to bring forth his word. Um, I don't take it for granted. I'm honored and uh, I give glory to God for what he's doing and continuing to do in our midst as a body of Christ. So um, my name is Gertrude Tukasingura. Uh, I am a parishioner in all saints. Uh, specifically, I am more in the Louisa Chapel, but I've been uh, and continue to be part of the All Saints Cathedral, Nakasero. Um, today, I'll just dive direct into uh, uh, the assignment that the Lord has given me, and that is to share with us in His Word from Psalms 104. Uh, 31 to 32, and it is themed the everlasting nature of God's glory. When I was meditating on this theme and basically the catchphrase, which is the everlasting nature of God's glory, I was uh, I was I was personally overwhelmed at uh, when I was uh, reading through. The scriptures and I, I noticed that all through scripture all through scripture we see the glory of God manifested and displayed in the different uh, lives of the, the different men and women that we have read about in the Bible but it has it's been it's been it's it's it's, it's not easy you you cannot just talk about the glory of God without uh, understanding uh, what glory actually means. And when I, I looked up glory, glory is attributed to um, honor. It's attributed to a sense of beauty. It's attributed to a high renown. And a high renown that is attributed to something or somebody based on the achievements or the visible acts that you have seen uh, emanating from this being or this person or this human being. And uh, it was amazing. Uh, I think when we talk about the glory of God, the first thing that comes to mind is Moses because I think it has been one of the resounding uh, stories around the men and the women of God that sought the glory of God. But when you continue to flip through scripture, you see different acts of the glory of God being manifest, manifested amidst his servants. So we'll look at Psalms 104, and I would like to look at it in context. I will just simply quickly give us a summary of the entire Psalm 104. So when we read Psalm 104, the psalmist begins with a, a marvelous phrase that both introduces and concludes Psalm 103. For those of us that have read Psalms 103, it is famous for the scripture, for, for the words of bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. But you realize that it is, it is, it is what the psalmist introduces at the beginning of Psalms 103 and also concludes at the end of Psalms 103. And then in Psalms 104, again, he begins to introduce us by talking about, uh, by, by asking his innermost being to bless the Lord, oh my soul. And the theme of the, I would like to call it a poem, uh, the theme of, of, of the poem is the greatness of God as a creator. And when you look at Psalms 104, from the very first verses, to where we are right now and where we are going to basically focus on, you see that uh, uh, they are, we are looking at the concept of the universe. The psalmist talking about the universe and the waters that were above and the earth that is beneath the, the skies and also continues to talk about the heavens. 
moving from the heavens, the, 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 the psalmist extols the Lord as the one who established the foundations of the earth. And so between Psalms 104, verse 6 to 15, we see that uh, the psalmist is helping us understand that creation is under God's control. He harnesses the, he the waters for the benefit of his creation. And so he tells us how he causes the grass to grow for the needs of the creatures, basically trying to magnify the sovereignty of our creator, God, and his providence for his creatures, who is you and me. And he continues to uh, and he continues to explain to us that the Lord provides homes for all his creatures. He has established an orderly pattern for his world. He has created the time and the seasons marked by the moon and the sun. And he continues to talk about all these things that he has created. And in verse 23, God gives people a reason for their existence. He provides meaning and purpose for their lives. When you read verse 23, it says, Man goes out to his work and to his labor until the evening. That's basically what we are, that's basically what our lives are about. Waking up in the morning, going out to work, and getting back to our home. It's like a routine. Or rather, uh, uh, I, I would really call it a routine. And then in verse 24 to 30, it says, he talks about God being the source of life. He made the seas and all forms of sea life. And then we hear something there, a new word, or, okay, it's a common word for those that read the Bible, Leviathan, which, which in, according to the uh, my Bible study, it was, re, it, it, it was attributed to a, a, monster, a sea monster, and all the creatures depended on God for their food. They were all dependent on him for their breath. Because God renews the entire earth, both the plant and animal life, everything is basically under the, the rulership and the management of the Lord himself. And then we move now to verse 31 to 35, where our theme verse is embedded. The psalmist prays that God may continue to enjoy his creation. And he vows to sing praise to God as long as he lives. He expresses his joy in the Lord. He prays that wicked people, those who spoil the beauty and the purpose of God's creation, may not or may cease to exist. And hence, he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, praise the Lord. When he says, may sinners be consumed from the earth and the wicked be no more, this is a prayer. This is an intercession. This is somebody interceding before God for his for his reign to be made evident on the earth and that even as he reigns on the earth that wickedness will not flourish or wickedness will not have its root and this friends just uh, caught my attention because the psalmist is bring is touching very uh, uh, pertinent issues, and we all know that King David was this man after God's own heart. And many times, when he was faced with calamity, or many times when he was just by himself, he meditated on the goodness of God. He meditated on the sovereignty of the Lord. When I read this portion of scripture, particularly verses thirty-one to thirty-two saying, may the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his work. I quickly uh, thought about Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31. And it says, and God looked upon all that he had made. And indeed, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning. The sixth day. The sixth day of creation. Imagine after all the past few days he had been doing, all this work of creation, finally, the sixth day comes, and the Bible says, for each day that he made anything, he was he looked at it, and it was very good, and 
that day came and ended and came to pass and ended. Verse 32 of Psalms 124 says, He looks on the earth and it trembles. He touches the hills and they smoke. It reminded me of that song that we usually worship in, saying, The Lord reigns, the Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice, let the people be glad who our God reigns. And then we go ahead to say, A fire goes before him and burns up all his enemies. The hills melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. And we, 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 and, and, and we have really, I, I, in the past teaching, at least one thing I have, I have, I have, I have mastered from the different teachings on the glory of God is that one thing is our God is a consuming fire. He is a consuming fire that at the presence, at his presence, the hills, the mountains melt like wax. Now, as we delve deeper into understanding this teaching, we are going to make our reference. We are going to be referring so much. I'll be referring so much to Exodus chapter 33. Because Exodus chapter 33 gives us an individual, an individual personal encounter of the glory of God. And this is our father Moses one of the patriarchs. And out of Moses' experience, I pray and hope that we shall each have a personal encounter or even reflect on the different encounters we have had and experienced good with. Friends, when we think or talk about the glory of God or the everlasting nature of the glory of God, you realize that man's glory is fading. The glory of you and I, the things that we glory in, the things that we take honor in, the things that we take pride in, come and pass away. But the glory of the Lord is everlasting. In that he is the creator God, when he created the heavens and the earth, these things that he created can change. But he, as the creator of these things, does not change. There is no variability. And if mediation on the, if, if you and I are to, to meditate on the glories of creation, have you, I, I know that many of us have had an opportunity basically to fly on planes or to even travel long distances and just gaze at, the, at nature and see how nature and how what nature looks like. Some of us like to take pictures of the sun, sun setting, the sun rising, and it looks so beautiful. And for some of us, when we look at some of the paintings and pictures of different parts of this world, you may not, you may not, you may realize that even for the for a biologist or for a, or a scientist or a researcher, research has never ended. We still continue to discover new things. Why? Because the scientist is trying to find an end, an end from the beginning, but they are not, they don't seem to be ending. We don't seem to be finding an end. And because of that, we continue and continue to discover new things and new things and new things. This alone is supposed to be a pointer, a clear pointer that there is, there is a supreme being a supreme being that is behind all this force that seems to be running the world. And there, 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 there is no other way we can comprehend the glory of God than keeping in his presence and getting to know him better. One thing I... I, I, I the, 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 the hymn that that, that that kept resounding even when I was reflecting in this portion of scripture was How Great Thou Art. The writer of this hymn is trying to express the greatness of God in that it is too much for even words to comprehend or to, for words to, to express. When we say, oh Lord, my God, when I am in awesome wonder, I consider all the works thy hand has made. 
I see the stars. I see the 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 the, the mighty grandeur. I see all these things. Your power throughout the whole universe is being displayed. Then sings my soul, just like that's that 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 psalmist is saying here. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. In Psalms chapter eight, we see again the psalmist talking about, Oh God, how majestic is your name? How majestic is your name? You know, how majestic is your name? When I consider the heavens, the moon and the stars, what is man that you are mindful? What is man that you are really mindful of him? I, 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 friends, I could go on and want to expound on basically the things that surround us to try to understand the glory of God. But I do not think I would get to an end because that is how sovereign the Lord is. So quickly, what is the glory of God? The glory of God is in simple terms the beauty of his spirit. The beauty of that inner man that we we can we do not see that we do not we cannot even that we cannot see physically that is beyond just physical words. It is that beauty that 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 emanates from his character from all that he is. Because the glory of man, things like the honor, the dignity that I have. I mean, I mean, look at the kings in Africa and how how much they are clothed with splendor, how much the palaces are, 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 are clothed with all sorts of ornaments and, and, and wonderful, expensive things. But the glory of God, which is manifested in all his attributes together, never passes away. It is eternal. Kings, kings rise and fall. But the Lord remain above and enthroned above. The Bible says the heart of a king is in the hands of the Lord. And so, friends, you and I are like in a stage where we are practicing and rehearsing the things that we shall actually do when we are transformed into glory. You and I are at a church and we are practicing and routinely doing the things that we hope we shall do when we meet face to face with our Lord. So, there are several places in the Bible where someone could see the glory of the Lord. Isaiah mentioned this in Isaiah 35 and verse 2. And here he say, he talks about God's glory being seen, blooming through the desert. In Psalms 19, it talks about the heaven telling of the glory of God. Humans can see God's essence by observing what he created. The glory of God is basically the essence of his nature and who he really is. This principle is also echoed in Romans chapter 1 and verse 20. Romans chapter 1 and verse 20 says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. What excuse do we have today to say that there is no good? What excuse do you and I have today to say that there is no supreme being behind the things that we say and say, I am a scientist by God's grace, but we have done research about all kinds of things. But when 2019 came, we were hit by an unknown disease. And nobody knew what the cure would be like or what the, how this disease would manifest. And so it became, it became another topic of discussion. 
it held the world by by surprise. It became a pandemic, if I could say. And friends, there is nothing that takes place under the face of the sun without the Lord permitting it. This is just the Lord evidently displaying who he is and what he can do. That he is beyond human wisdom. That he is beyond human comprehension. When we say you are beautiful, beyond description, too marvelous for words. And we when you sing the lyrics and the words of that song, that is a description of the glory of God at our level as, a, as human beings. Ezekiel recorded that he looked and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. That was in Ezekiel chapter 44 and verse 4. But also when you read Ezekiel chapter 1 and 2, we, are, we, we see Ezekiel pictured somewhere at an island. And somehow, even at that, at that island where they were, I, I suppose that there were many people surrounding him, because his focus and his heart was on seeking the Lord, somehow he was carried away into another realm. And at that, in that realm, he experienced his soul good. In the New Testament, Luke recorded that when Peter, James, and John were fully awake, they saw his glory. They saw his glory, referring to the glorified appearance of Jesus Christ. That's Luke chapter 9, verse 32. Jesus, when confronting Martha at the raising of Lazarus, he told her that if she believed, she would see the glory of God. Do we have believers here who actually say, I want to see the glory of God? Jesus just told Martha, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. And he was simply referring to the miracle of the resurrection that she was about to witness. How is the nature of God manifested? I think this, I think we can go on and on and on about the nature of God. But I'll just share a few things that I know that we have had many times, but I pray that this will unlock something within you to actually intentionally seek to know the Lord for who he is. And not just for what he can do, but for who he is. God's nature is made manifest in his goodness. And I'll refer us to Exodus 33. Moses requested of God, now, God, show me your glory. I'm not going to give us a whole, uh, I'm sure we have gone through this chapter of Exodus countless times. In his response, God equates his glory with a phrase, all my goodness. That's verse 19. But God said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. Verse 20. So God hid Moses in a cleft in the rock to protect him from the fullness of God's glory as it passes by. Verses 21 to 23. You know, friends, when I when I when I looked, when I read this verse, this chapter, uh, this, 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 this portion of scripture in Exodus, I began to reflect on the times we have actually experienced God and seen the work of God being displayed in our midst. I would refer to the different prayer overnights or the different fellowships we have had an opportunity to attend, even at the cathedral. And you begin to see a tunnel of events and you begin to see God manifesting himself. For some people, you will find someone is slain. And, and for others, someone is lost in 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 tears. Why? Because they are beholding a beauty that they are overwhelmed about. 
because the the glory of God, the presence of God is overwhelming, friend. It's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. When Isaiah in chapter 6 saw the Lord, the Bible says when he saw the Lord, he was overwhelmed. He was overwhelmed. He immediately began to realize how unworthy, how filthy, how undeserving he was. And that's why many times when we are caught up in the presence of God, you sometimes don't, you even lose track of time. And you're just meditating on this God. Like, how can you allow me to even come this close to experience you? How do you, how am I, who am I that I can actually experience you even at this stage? The first part of the Lord's answer to Moses' petition to see his glory is in his goodness. The Lord answered Moses by telling him, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. So when David tells us in Psalms 23 that surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's coming from a place. He's coming from a place. David begins the Psalms by saying, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on this he meditates day and night. Friends, purpose to know the Lord for yourself. Otherwise, you will continue to listen to sermons of the glory of God and it will sound like a movie that is a fiction. I hope I'm being heard. One thing, actually, one revelation that the Lord placed upon my heart when I was focusing on this portion of scripture today was... If you do not purpose to know the Lord for yourself as an individual, you will continue to listen to this sermon and hear them like a fiction. And friends, that explains why sometimes when the work of God is being displayed in the, in the church, some people will walk out or some people will just not get it because we haven't yet gotten to the level of knowing God for ourselves. And the Lord that we serve is a God of order. He's not a God of confusion. Such that when you even come in such a meeting, your spirit is only confirming things by what you're seeing. You are confirming that which he has told you. Because the Lord told Ezekiel, there will come a day and a time when I myself will take out that heart of stone. And give you a heart to flesh. He continues to re-echo himself in Hebrews. And he says, at, I think Hebrews chapter 4 and chapter 8. He says, I will give you a new spirit. No longer will a man need to teach his neighbor. No longer will a man need to teach his neighbor my laws. No, I myself will teach you these things. I myself up personal encounter, friends. If you read Exodus 33, if you read the entire encounter of Moses, from the time he picked the children of Israel from Exodus to Deuteronomy where he had, he finally hands over to the next generation, Moses had a personal encounter with the Lord. And actually, also when you read Exodus 33, there is a part of that section where it says, whenever Moses went out to the camp of the, of the, the tabernacle, which was outside the camp, to meet with the Lord. The Bible says Joshua, the son of Nun, remained in the presence of God. He never left. Have you ever? I want to. 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 I want to challenge us. Is there this? Is there a man of God? or a woman of God that you see and desire to actually be like, because that was Joshua, son of Nun. Where is the Joshua generation of, of today? Yes, we see a few of them, 
but that is can I, can we count on you can i count on you to know the lord for yourself and actually seek to remain in the presence that even whenever moses came into the tabernacle met with the lord this guy was paying attention this guy i think told himself i need to see god who is this man moses that is actually meeting with the lord i, I he had a desire a longing and friends let me tell you god saw that desire and that longing in that when it came to the time when the children of israel had to go to encounter the promised land and there was they had to send spies joshua came back with a different report and friends this this message is to, to, to tell you and I that many times you may not be on the same page with the majority and that is the price many times you may not you may not resound on the same page with the majority but just to help us understand the sovereignty of the nature of God's glory scripture says he does not change he does not share his glory and he's looking out for the few that are willing to stand up amen now his goodness we see his goodness we see him telling Moses as his goodness would pass by he would proclaim his name <laughs> it's very interesting this could mean that god would, would show moses by by telling him i will allow my goodness to pass to pass before you this is god simply uh, uh, <laughs> trying to show moses just one characteristic a part but not all of his entire nature this is probably because it is responsive to what moses really desired friends god is the god you need him to be in your situation if he desires if he sees the bible tells us in psalms uh in psalms 37 that delight yourselves in the lord and he will grant you the desires of your heart the desires of your heart may be different from the desires of my heart and so he will meet you and me at that different level but the common thing here that you and I should have is the longing and the desire in exodus 33 we see more than just the desire from moses so he gives just a part of himself the lord's name is reference to his character his jehovah sidkenu the lord our righteousness his jehovah rafa the lord our healer his jehovah jira the lord our provider his jehovah sabaoth the lord of hosts in other words when you're going to battle is the one you call upon he is the god you need him to be in your situation and so he says when he comes down to your rescue he will allow you to experience that part of who he is because for sure even if you were to experience the whole nature of god to be honest like he said if moses were to see him face to face he would not live it would be too overwhelming So it seems that God chose one aspect of his glory for Moses to observe and that was his goodness. Secondly, the Lord manifests the nature of the Lord is fully manifested in his sovereignty. I tried to understand what sovereignty basically means, but sovereignty is like something supreme. Like a force that is supreme. Many times when I'm we we are chatting with my husband we talk about we 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 talk about we 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 marvel at how we are here on earth and we are just a planet of so many planets that are existing and i'm like how how is how is the milky way how i mean when you because i i i i i did some geography so i like to think out of my my mind i want to think out of the book like how is the geography of where we are right now and the fact that actually the the, <laughs> the we, we keep rotating around the sun 
You just imagine rotating around the sun, but making sure you don't come this close to beings. Smite, smite by the sun. Psalms 121, the psalmist says, you, you, we all know that psalm. I look up to the hills. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. Indeed, he's the one who watches over us. He really watches over. And one aspect of God's character in, is his sovereignty, where he, he told Moses that I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. So God himself decides who would be the recipients of his grace and compassion. Paul quotes verse 19 in Romans chapter 9. You know, Romans chapter 9 talks about Israel being God's sovereign choice. But when Paul is talking about uh, God and, that, and, that cho and choosing Israel, when answering the, 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 the accusation that, that his teaching actually leads to, many, many, many scholars have sometimes misinterpreted his teachings to say that it leads to the conclusion that God has rejected Israel. But no. That is not true. It's just it 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 because why I say it's not true. It makes God unjust, and that is not who God is. But Paul says God is wholly just. There is no injustice with God. Paul says because as God said to Moses, "I will have mercy on whom I have mercy." Paul is now trying to bridge us back to remind us that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He he actually says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's Hebrews 13, verse 9. It says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Paul says, when God told Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, he has not changed. Even today, uh, you see, at that time, Israel had become, had I think the children of Israel had come to a place of contentment in the fact that they were favored and they were the blessed of the Lord. I mean, no matter what they did. But now Paul is coming out here to tell us clearly that he's just in his ways. And no wonder uh, at some point Moses says, ascribe greatness to the Lord, our rock. His, his, his work is perfect and all his ways are just. The next part of the Lord's answer was a direct response to Moses. Moses' Moses's wish to see his glory. And what we see here is still in, that, in, in, in Exodus. When what Moses was allowed to see was restricted. He told Moses, you cannot see my face for this reason being that no man can see me and live. I am gracious. And he continued to tell Moses, when God says, when God says, I will choose who I will have mercy on and who I will not have mercy on. In this his instance, he's simply telling Moses, he's simply uh, telling us how sovereign and in control he is. But in his grace, the Lord provides a way for Moses to experience his glory. He told Moses, there is a place by me, and at this place you will stand. That is the rock. And many times the rock has been attributed to be a symbol of the Lord's presence and a source of his security. So uh, sometimes when you pray and say, Lord, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Friends, there's a time I, I actually had a very bad dream, a very bad dream. And then in that dream, when I woke up from that dream at about 3 a.m., the thing that dropped on my spirit was, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Lead me to the rock. A rock was symbolic of the Lord's presence, his source of security. It was a fortress. The Lord told Moses what was going to happen. He said, while my glory is passing by. Now, please note, this is Moses having an intimate an intimate conversation with the Lord. So the, this was a place of safety where Moses would hide. So that, and, and, and it continues to say that not only that, not only that he would, he would be hidden under the rock, but that the Lord would cover him with his hand the palm until he had passed by, thus ensuring that Moses would not see his face and die. And friends, sometimes when we, we, we when we behold the presence of God, it becomes it is so heavy. The weight of His presence sometimes can be so heavy that you are you are just afraid to be caught up. You 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 don't even 
I mean, you, you're like, will I even, will I recover? Will I come out of this place alive? You know? And the Lord, because he knows, he because he knows, he's, he knows and he has everything in control, he somehow allows you to experience that bit of him without you necessarily being being uh, slain, for, for lack of a, bit, a better word. And after the Lord had passed by, he said, he would take his hand away. Friend, I'm, I'm just, I want us to try to understand. I'm trying to go word by word so that we try to understand why the Lord said what he said and and, how, and what this means to us, to you and me. So this would allow Moses to see his back. The Lord repeated, however, that his face shall not be seen. Now, I began to think of countless times I have felt like I have come from a, an overnight or from a fellowship where the presence of the Lord was so heavy. And I'm imagining, okay, probably we had just witnessed the hand of the Lord. Or maybe we had just seen his back. Or maybe we had just witnessed, I mean, just a, a portion of his feet. That, that he said, okay, let a part of me dwell here. That was just a glimpse of his glory that many times we experience, a glimpse of his, his glory. And this is basically, imagine we are busy and we work day in and day out and we still experience God. Like the psalmist says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Meaning just that one moment in your presence is enough. Then we begin to see God, the tangible physical presence of God being made manifest. And now here we are looking at Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 19. Mount Sinai, the manifestation of God's glory was accompanied by supernatural fire, thick clouds, a great quaking of the earth. We see, we see how when God gave the law to Moses, the place was covered with smoke. To the extent that the children of Israel, actually the children of Israel saw and said, you know what, Moses, you be the one to speak with the Lord. We cannot, we cannot imagine, we cannot. So you imagine who Moses and how the depth of Moses' intimacy with the Lord in that many times his face came back shining that no one could, he had to cover himself. The weight of the glory of God. And then, uh, fourthly, his son, Jesus Christ, is a perfect representation of his glory. Because God revealed his glory through his son, Jesus Christ. Many times we saw the stories of Jesus uh, in John chapter 1, where he, he, in John chapter 1, he says, uh, in the beginning was the word, the word was, was God, and the, the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Jesus came as a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of God's people, Israel. The miracles that Jesus did were signs through which he revealed his glory. In Christ, the glory of God is meekly veiled. It is approachable. It is knowable. That's why in First John chapter 1, you see the apostles trying to tell us that which we have seen, that which we have touched, that which we have uh, 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 seen with our own hands and touched, it, that is the gospel that we are proclaiming to you today. But if at any one point you have doubted the glory of God, then look to Jesus because he is perfect representation of the glory of God unveiled. Then, I think I talked about the nature that surrounds us. I will not go back to that. But the nature that surrounds us, things that surround you and me, for goodness sake, we would only be foolish to think that there is some other superhuman that is behind these things. But everything that surrounds us, the earth, the earth and how it brings forth fruit, the life that we see on the earth. I mean, this is a clear demonstration of the glory of God. Psalms 19 is the perfect scripture to explain that, that the heavens declare the glory of God, that Christ proclaim the work of his hands. 
day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out unto all the earth. Their words to the end of the world, to the ends of the world. The heavens, Psalm 73 verse 24 calls heaven itself glory. Sometimes Christians speak of death as being received unto glory. A phrase borrowed from this psalm. Now, when the Christian dies, he or she will be taken into God's presence and surrounded by God's glory and majesty. And in that place, his glory will be seen more clearly because here we see, but in part. But I think when we are transformed, I believe that when we are transformed into his like, we, we, we actually become, we, are, we, 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 we can now fully see for ourselves this glory. No wonder he says, no one that sees me will live because you only have to be transformed in order to experience the fullness of the glory of God. The Bible tells us that uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. He's referring to the physical body. For now, what we see is like a reflection as in a mirror. It's just a reflection. It's not the real thing. When you look at your reflection in the mirror, you cannot touch yourself through the mirror. But then we shall soon see face to face. So the teachings to bring light, the evangelizing, we, 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 I just looked at the fivefold ministry. And we see that the way God has made it is in such a way that the fivefold ministry helps us and gives us a push to understand or to rehearse for what lies ahead of us. The teachers are meant to bring light, you know, because the unfolding of his word brings light. When you're taught of his word, you, you, the entrance of his word is light. The evangelist to keep us in check, to keep us in check, to keep reminding us. The pastors to offer guidance, direction, more or less like shepherding the flock. The apostolic to grant us knowledge. And the prophecies are basically to point us to the light behind the shadows that we see. That is basically what the fivefold ministry is embedded to do. And in the future New Jerusalem, the glory of God will be made manifest. Revelation 21, 23 says, the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light and the lamb is its light. Now, friends, I do not know but when I am listening to the word of the Lord and when I am in such moments of sharing the word or hearing people share the word of God, sometimes I don't want it to stop. I just want to keep hearing and knowing and understanding. I think I, I, I just want to, 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 to quickly talk about the last thing and then we shall, we shall, we shall close. God's glory is not to be shared. God says in Isaiah 42 and verse 8 that I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. For you shall worship no other God for the Lord whose name is jealous, is a jealous God. Yet this is the very thing that people try to steal. Scripture indicates all idolaters, although they claim to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. Just that should allow you to just think about it. Look at the different sculptures you've seen around and how some of these have become mini gods and goddesses for some people. Only God is eternal and he's perfect and he's and his perfect and eternal attributes of holiness, love, majesty cannot be exchanged for the imperfections and the corruptions of anything in this world. And we all know how it ended in Romans chapter 1 and verse 18. With such wide range of manifestations, the glory of God is virtually impossible to define. In a sense, God's glory is the magnificence, worth, loveliness, grandeur of all his, of all his many perfections. And uh, the Hebrew word for actually glory is kabod or ikabod. And this word stems from a root that means the weight or the heaviness 
of his glory, depending on its form. It could have that sense of honorable, dignified, exalted, or revered. So as we summarize, friends, I want us to think and ponder, and ponder how today, how today have we witnessed his glory? And on the other hand, how have we been vessels that have been that have exchanged this glory of his for images or for fame or, for, or we've, we've, we've taken advantage of the glory of God to gain out of it and not return the glory back to him. We are not only called to pray, friends, that God is glorified in every aspect of our lives, but we are also called to be vessels that will carry the weight, the heaviness, of his glory in the different spheres of influence he has called each one of us. We are encouraged further in Romans chapter 8, verse 18 to 22. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. Now, this scripture used to remind me, it used to be shared many times, I never forgot it because they would refer to it as in the environment. How are you, how are you promoting the environment? And when, when the scripture says creation waits in eager expectation for the, for the revelation of the sons of God, it means even these, these living things, the plants and the animals, are waiting in eager expectation for the true sons of God, the ones that will that will tender the flock, the ones that will actually take good care of that which God has entrusted to you and me. But we all know how today a lot is being done and things are being messed up. And so the climate change has even changed because we are suffering the effects of climate change as a result of the actions that are being done. And so we are messing it up. We are we are changing the picture when the original picture that God had wanted to see. So may the glory of God cover us, and may the life of His river flow in us. The truth of His kingdom may it reign in us. May we delve deeper into speaking God. The Bible says in Habakkuk chapter two and verse fourteen that for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That should be something that we actually take seriously. Moses understood what Jesus explained in John chapter 17, that the greatest experience available in this life is to know God, is to know God, friends. Know God for yourself. Jesus described, if you want to understand the heart of the Father, read John chapter 17. His heart for us, that, that, that just as he, Jesus, had experienced the glory of God and and been and allowed God to be glorified in his life. That is what is expected of you and I. This would not be a free gift of, of a new birth which comes through faith, but rather the experience of knowing God. Moses had this desire and asked to see God's glory, and it is instructive that God granted, granted his request, although it was simply a personal desire. And obviously, God respected and liked Moses because of that. This illustrates also that God understands our deepest desires better than we do and would have them fulfilled in a matter that exceeds our capacity to comprehend. And so, friends, in heaven, we will know God by sight. In heaven, we will know God by faith. The Bible is clear that knowing God by faith is particularly an amazing opportunity that only comes in this life. So if you think you will know God after you die, then I don't know. But what I know is that in heaven we will know God by sight. We will meet face to face. In fact, Paul uses the phrase face to face to describe how we will know God, perhaps with Moses' experience in mind, I'm sure. First Corinthians 13, verse 12. In heaven, however, it does not seem God will have to hide his face for those redeemed by the Lamb of God. That means that it is in this life only that we have the opportunity to gain the experience of eternal life, meaning we should rehearse for the eternal life that we look forward to. 
for God so loved the world that he gave, that he gave, that whoever would believe in him. Every believer has the opportunity to know God in a similar manner to Moses, coming to know his ways, seeing his glory through his work in and around us, and yielding to the Holy Spirit, the helper that Jesus sent, and following him as though he were a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. If you wake up every morning and say, Lord, be go before me as a cloud by day and be my pillar of fire by night. Position your angels with flaming swords at every entrance of my neighborhood by night. That is who and why and what the Lord desires. I will finally end by concluding Romans 8 verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Friends, fret not when others succeed. Psalm 37 says, fret not. Do not fret when others succeed. Do not. Do not fret. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is yet to be revealed through us. May that be our portion, friend. And uh, I will just close by saying there's a famous song, but I'll not sing it. I'll just say the lyrics. It says, take the stage, Lord, and have your way. I'm just a vessel and nothing more. And when you're done, please take the glory. I am satisfied just to see you glorified. Father, we are satisfied just to see you glorified. May you take the stage in our lives. Have your way. For we are just mere vessels. Mere vessels. You have told us in your word, in a house, there are all kinds of vessels. Lord, our desire is that we shall be the vessel that you will find willing and noble and acceptable. And Lord, even when you're done using us, please take the glory. We are satisfied just to see you glorified. In Jesus' name we've prayed. Amen and amen. Over to uh, Amen and amen. I boast in knowing you, my Lord. Thank you, Gertrude, for such a wonderful message from the Lord. Friends, our topic was the everlasting nature of God's glory. The everlasting nature of God's glory. We have heard the message. We have heard the word. We are going to respond to this message. And then we shall let God be God in every situation, in every circumstance, in everything. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the message that you brought through your servant, Gertrude. Thank you, Lord, for having used her to bring the word this evening to us about your glory, about your nature, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for the message. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We don't take it for granted, but we come back to you to say thank you. There is a reason why you brought such a word to us in such a season, Lord. And Father, we ask that in everything, in every circumstance, Lord, we desire to see your glory. We desire to see you reign on high. We desire to see your glory in the name of Jesus. And friends, some of the some of the things I've picked in I've picked in, in the message this evening. One of them is to keep in his presence at all times. The second one is to get to know the Lord more and more. And the third one is to be intentional while seeking him, to be intentional and to understand his nature and to know him more and more. And so, Lord, we ask that you give us the grace, Lord, give us the grace to keep in your presence, because that we know in your presence that instruction to live a godly life in your presence lord in your presence we receive instructions in your presence we receive everything that we need to live a godly life father give us the grace to keep in your presence 
Give us the grace to keep in your presence, my master. Give us that grace, O oh Lord. Father, for we desire to know you more and more. We desire to walk in your ways. We desire to walk the walk of purity, the walk of righteousness, Father, because that is who you are, my master. We desire to walk the way that you've called us to walk, to be obedient to you, to be obedient to you, Jesus, to be obedient to, 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 to walk in your leading, in your guidance, my Lord. Father, give us that grace, Lord. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. Fill us with your spirit. That then we shall know, we shall know and hear you speak to us that this is the way we walk in it, my Lord. For my Lord, we desire to walk the walk that you want us to walk. For your name's sake, Lord. And Lord, as we seek you, Lord, help us to be intentional. Help us to be intentional as we seek you to understand you, fill us with knowledge, give us understanding that as we seek you, we shall know you more and more. That as we seek you, we shall know you more and more. For Father, you promised in your word in Jeremiah 29, 13, Lord, you say, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. And so Father, that is our desire. That is our desire. That is our desire to seek your face, to seek you for who you are, to gain understanding, to gain wisdom, to gain knowledge, my Lord. And Lord, help us to know you more and more. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your spirit, my Lord and my master. Fill us with you. If, if any of us has any void, Lord, fill that void with you, with you, Jesus. Father, we need you. We need you. We need you, King of Kings. Come and have your way. This we pray through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.